Today on Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. The purpose of prayer isn't for us to bring a bunch of stuff that we need before God and lay it in his lap and say, here, give me this, like some divine Santa Claus. See, prayer is meant to put the glory and the majesty of God on display. That's the purpose of prayer. Sadly, so many of us tend to view prayer as that moment we sit on Santa's lap and give him our wish list. Then we look forward to getting it in our stocking the next day, right? Prayer is so much more than that. And as our teacher and pastor, Pastor Steve Converse, mentioned a moment ago, prayer is bringing glory to God first and foremost. Now, does that mean God won't provide? No. As we'll see today, we do pray for his provision, but it is according to his will. With more on today's edition of Graceful Truth, Pastor Steve Converse. His disciple just asked him, teach us how to pray. And he didn't talk about any of these things. He didn't talk about what you wear. He didn't talk about when you pray or where you pray or how much you pray. Those were not important things to him. Because you know what? Prayer to him was a way of life. And if it's a way of life, we need to understand how to pray and specifically what to pray. Now, like I said, this prayer is not a prayer that God gave us that we're supposed to um, repeat. You know, I was raised in the Roman Catholic Church. And every night before I went to bed, I could say my prayers, my nightly prayers, which I did faithfully pretty much every night, uh, probably in about 45 seconds to 60 seconds. And I checked the box. I had done it. And, you know, I mean, you doubt me. It kind of went something like this. You know, Lord, thanks for a great day. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth is in heaven. Give us a day of daily bread. And give us our trespasses. We forgive those trespasses against us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord is with thee. Thou art And I go on with the Hail Mary, and I'd be done. 45 seconds, I'm done. I did my deal. Okay, that is not prayer. That is simply reciting something. And that's not what Jesus is saying here. That's why he says, pray then like this. He's not saying use these exact words. He's saying use this as a template, as an outline. And we know the purpose of prayer because John 14 verses 13 and 14 says that when we ask anything in his name, he hears us and then he gives the purpose in order that the Father may be glorified. See, we got it all mixed up. I'm here to tell you prayer is not for you to get what you want from God. That's not the purpose of prayer. But that's what we've kind of made it. Do you have a need? Well, you need to take the Lord, brother. See, prayer is meant to put the, the glory and the majesty of God on display. That's the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer isn't for us to bring a bunch of stuff that we need before God and lay it in his lap and say, here, give me this. Like some divine Santa Claus. Now, does God care about our provisions? Yes, we're going to talk a little bit about that. But prayer is for the express purpose that God will be glorified. So all prayer focuses on God. That's what this prayer focuses on. And let's look at the first point. What to pray? Well, first of all, we need to pray to the Father. He says there, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We pray to our Father, 
you know, that, those two words, our Father, it's, it's really inclusive, but it's also exclusive. It's inclusive for those who are in the body of Christ because that's whose Father God is. If you're outside the body of Christ, I'm sorry, the Bible clearly says that God is not your Father. See, there's people today that believe in the, 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 the fatherhood of God and that applies to everybody kind of a form of universalism. And that's just not true. It's not biblical. God is our Father because we have come to our Father. We've been reconciled to our Father through what? Through the work of Christ on the cross. That's what we're celebrating here this morning as communion time comes. We're celebrating the work of Christ that he did on our behalf. And so when we come to God, we can't just march into God's presence and say, hey, you know, I need some stuff. No. Who are we coming through? We're coming through Christ. We're coming through the righteousness of Christ. And the only people that can do that are those who are in Christ, those who have trusted Christ for their salvation. So the R is those believers. And then he says, Father, which, which really reminds us of our relationship with our God, that he is our Father. And, you know, some people say, well, yeah, he's Abba Father. You know, he's like our daddy. Well, that's okay. That's a, that's a good understanding. But I think sometimes p- people in the church take that to the extent where it almost becomes irreverent. So they're talking about the man upstairs. Yeah, he's just like my dad. You know, it's kind of like a couple, you know, that's, that's married and you hear them refer to one another in, in a way that probably most of us here would never do this. But I've heard it in conversations. Where a guy, you know, I'll be talking to a guy down at the coffee shop, whatever, and he'll go, yeah, my old lady, you know. Or a lady, you know, yeah, my old man. Or even children, you know, rather refer to their father or their, their dad, that, oh, my, the old man won't let me go out. That's disrespectful. That, there's no reverence in that. And so here he says, you know what? We need to pray to our father. It denotes a relationship that we have with our God. That's what sets us apart from everybody else in the world. That our God is an intimate God. That he cares for us. Now you notice in this prayer, you don't see any personal pronouns in the singular form. You don't see me, myself, my, I, all those. Why? Because it's, it's a corporate prayer. It's a family prayer. It's involving the Father in heaven and the children on earth. And as members of the family, we must want what the Father wants. Because it says here, our Father, where is he? He's in heaven. And then it says, hallowed be your name. That means holy, set apart. This is not just your average Father. This is the Father. He's to be honored. He's to be revered. As we sang this morning, holy, holy, holy. So prayer starts with respect for the Father, not with a bunch of requests from the Father's children. And that's how we see this prayer play out for us. Well, secondly, not only do we pray to the Father, but we also pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, there's a lot in there. And like I said, this is meant to pick apart this whole piece of scripture. You can, John MacArthur has a wonderful series on this and he goes into depth, I think 10 messages or something. But, um, you know, you can, you can use that as a reference. But here we're just doing an overview of this. See, we're to pray that God's kingdom would come and that his will would be done. Well, what does that mean? That means his desire must be our desire. 
His desire must be our desire. If it's any other way, it has to be, we need to be realigned. So if you're desiring something, and it's not something that is either scriptural, or it's not something that would support biblical principles in your life, you need to not look at God and say, you need to move. No, you need to move. (laughs) You need to realign your heart with what God is directing you to pray for. Um, We have to understand anything in our prayers that do not advance God's kingdom or glorify his name is against his will. Anything. And so we need to be reminded of that. You know, Jesus came for one purpose and for one purpose only. To do what? The Father's will. To do the Father's will. And he reminded the disciples over and over about that. Because he wanted them to understand that, you know what? My, my purpose is the same as yours. I'm going to send you out with the same purpose. You need to do the Father's will. And that's what our purpose is here today. So he says, pray that your kingdom would come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, the the kingdom of God is is a vast subject in and of itself. But you know what? We get so caught up, I think, in in our own little worlds here in America, in, in our little community, in our family, in our neighborhood, and we think this is our little kingdom. And the last time I checked, beloved, all that stuff is going to go away one day. It's just going to be burned up. It's not going to be around. It's not eternal. And so we need to stop and we need to remind ourselves when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what does that look like? What does that look like? It really means we have to set aside our own agenda, our own desires, our own wants. And that's not any different than what Jesus' gospel message was, right? When he came to the multitudes, what did he say? Hey, come after me and I'll give you everything you want. Is that what he said? No. He said, you can come after me, but first of all, you have to what? Deny yourself. You have to take up your cross daily, an instrument of death. And then you can follow me. See, we've, we've, we've made Christianity this, this kind of popular religion of, of, oh, God just loves you and he's just going to make everything happy, happy, happy in your life. Well, that may not be true if that's not his will. I mean, maybe God wants you to be sick. Have you ever thought of that one? I mean, you know, sometimes you talk to people and they're praying for God to heal them and they're not getting healed. I mean, sometimes I say, well, you know what? Maybe there's a purpose here. There's obviously a purpose. Because if you're one of his children and you're sick, God allowed this. Let's let's kind of wallow a little bit here in this and and understand what God's purpose for this is. And then, then he'll move you through it. But whenever we're faced with something like that, we immediately think, oh, it's the enemy. It's got to be the enemy. Not always. Not always. Sometimes God uses trials. Sometimes God uses those temptations, those situations in our lives that are sometimes, frankly, unbearable. And he uses them to grow us in our spiritual growth. 
He wants us to know that, you know what? No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. And God is faithful. He will what? Provide a way of escape. If you're just patient. And I think sometimes even as parents, and you know, I'm guilty of this as well, earlier on in life, but you know, our child's gone through a, a situation. What do we want to do? We want to bail them out. We've got to bail them out. No, sometimes it's good to allow them to reap the consequences of whatever behavior got them there. Now, you don't want your children to fail ultimately. But sometimes we're so quick to bail them out, they never realize any consequences for their behavior. So we need to be reminded of these things. So God's kingdom to come, his will to be done, not our own. And the third thing here, he talks about praying for God's provision. We have to move along. God's concerns take precedent over our concerns. And as you grow spiritually and, and mature spiritually, you, you learn a little bit more about what it means to seek first his kingdom. Because you know what? A lot of times, if you, if you talk to a brand new Christian, or if you talk to a, a saint that's been around the block and maybe they've known the Lord for 50 years and they've grown and they're just a, a living example of, of what a Christian is, you talk to them and you ask them, what are your prayer requests? They're vastly different. Vastly different. And that just comes with time. But the Lord is concerned about our needs. I'm not saying he's not. He is. But he wants us to see those needs in the context of of a higher purpose in our lives. See, because he loves us, he'll provide for us. He'll meet our needs day by day. In in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Ask and it will be given to you, seek and you'll find, knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. And then he gives this illustration in verses 9 to 11. He says, which of you, if, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? I mean, that would be kind of cruel, wouldn't it? Your little child is asking you, hey, you know, mommy, daddy, can I have a piece of bread? Yeah, here's a rock, kid, and all on this. I mean, who would do that, right? And he goes on, he says, or if he asks for a fish, would you give him a snake? I mean, that's even worse. It could potentially harm the child. He says, if then you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father who is in heaven will give good gifts to those who ask him? I mean, we've got to stop and remind ourselves, our God is a good God. He's righteous. He's holy. He only wants what's best for us. Even in the midst of trials and tribulations, he wants what's best for us. And we need to continue to thank him and pray that he would continue to provide for us. It's out of his eternal riches, because he is in heaven, he'll supply our daily bread, all of our needs. This isn't a health, wealth, name it and claim it verse. That's not what he's talking about. You notice he said bread, not caviar. Okay. I mean, we, we have to kind of wake up and realize what our society has done to us as believers sometimes. Well, the fourth thing here quickly is pray for God's forgiveness. It says to forgive us of our debts. Debts similar to the word for sin. There's a lot of different words in the New Testament for sin, but this is one of them. And it really refers to that moral uh, misgiving. Um, And when sin occurred, there was a debt involved. 
There had to be payment for that sin. That's why Christ came. He died. He, he, died a, he lived a perfect life and then he died. A death. See, you could have went to the cross and died, but it wouldn't have paid for your sins. Why? Because you weren't a perfect sacrifice. But Christ was. He was perfect in every way. He was God. And so this emphasis here of give us our this day our daily bread. And then he says, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. This isn't conditional. We, we went over this on, on, on uh, Wednesday night. We're going through 1 John and we were talking about 1 John 1.9. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just. Forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Don't ever believe as a Christian your forgiveness is dependent upon you. It's not. If it was, you would never be forgiven. Your forgiveness is dependent upon Christ's payment for you on the cross. When that transaction happened, that's when you were justified. You were declared righteous before God. All of your sins, past, present, uh, future, were forgiven. They were paid for. Yes, praise God. That's a, a wonderful thing to praise God about. Because I don't know about you, but I wouldn't last two days. If, if Jesus said, hey, I paid for all your sins, Steve, the rest is on you. You know, it, it wouldn't happen. So we need to be thankful for God's payment of our sins. And this isn't here referring to forgiveness that might lead to salvation. Okay, it's really talking about, like I said, it's a familiar prayer here. It's talking about our relationship with God and our relationship with others. God has already forgiven us our debts. And you say, well, why in 1 John are you instructed, you know, if you confess, why are we told to confess? And we talked about this Wednesday night. A lot of times that word if can also be translated since. And so it's kind of like, you know, when you think about it, if we confess our sins, he's not putting a question mark there. That's in our English translation. That's what we look at. But it's kind of like John is saying, why wouldn't you confess your sins? Why wouldn't you say the same thing God says about your sins? Because you're talking about a God who's faithful and just, who's already forgiven you. I mean, your children know this all too well. You can tell a lot about a family and, and, and the kids when the children do something wrong, what do they do? Do they run and hide and scared to death that mom and dad would ever find out? Or do they go willingly realizing that they're going to get in trouble? But they know more than anything else, mom and dad love them. And yeah, I might get spanked for this, but you know, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to confess. Because I know ultimately they're going to find out anyway. <laughs> So it better me tell them. God already knows. When we're confessing our sins, it's not like he's up there going, whoa, you did what? No, that's not how God works. God sees it as it happens. And so those sins, those debts were canceled at Calvary. And so we thank God for that. And then the last thing here, we pray for God's deliverance. It says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. It just kind of reiterates the idea that this world is temporary. 
you know, this is not our home. We're just passing through, the song goes. That is so true. And we need to be reminded about that because, you know, as, as just human beings, we like to put up tents and, and then, you know, the tents pretty soon become firm structures and, and pretty soon we're just camping out here forever. You know, one day, beloved, the Lord is going to come back. He's going to call his church home. We're going to be out of here. I mean, it could happen today. It could happen 100 years from now. I don't know. But I mean, that's what we look forward to. But in the meantime, we're left here on this sin-stained world to have an impact for Christ. We're surrounded by temptations and evil all around us. And God provides that protection. As long as we live in this world, we'll be subject to those temptations, those trials. But you know what? God will enable us, as Paul says, you know what? No temptation has seized us. God will provide a way out. But we need to realize that the battle which we're engaged in, it's a spiritual conflict. It's not a physical conflict. It's a spiritual battle. As Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 4, he says, though, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to de- demolish strongholds. See, that's why it's important that we pray for our country. That we pray that God would somehow override the evil and extend his grace once again. And, you know, it's not even about the political process. It's not even about the political candidates, to be honest with you. It's about God carrying out his will. I mean, our country is going to go the way of every other country, every other nation. Because it's a country filled with sin. You know, the United States of America doesn't rise above that line and say, oh, we're, we're above everyone else. We're, we're God's perfect. Nate. No, we're not. We're far from it. But that doesn't mean we don't pray for our leaders because the Bible instructs us to pray for those in authority over us. And so we need to do that. And we need to pray believing that God will make a change. Because prayer really, it's a great privilege, but it also involves great commitment, deep commitment. So what should we pray? The answer is clear. For God's kingdom to come, for his will to be done. Pray for God's provision. Pray for God's forgiveness. Pray for God's deliverance. And we need to do so in an unceasing manner. James 5.17 says the prayer of a righteous man or person is powerful, that it's effective. I wonder, do we really believe that? Or are we just praying because that's the thing we're supposed to do as Christians? Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. 
If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. Gracefultruth.org is where to go. By the way, we do have another way that you can access resources from us here at Graceful Truth. Simply download our brand new app. As you go to the App Store, simply look for Grace Bible Church-CA, free and ready for download on Android and OS App Stores. Thank you so much for taking advantage of these resource materials. It's our hope and prayer that you are using them for your further growth in Christ. Again, simply go to the App Store and look for Grace Bible Church-CA and download our app today. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.